You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Well, I want to, I want to bring a message tonight that I hope will be a help to your church. And uh, if you have your Bible, I'd like for you to take it and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke chapter number 5. And then if you can also find Mark chapter 2, because this story is recorded in both of these Gospels. Now keep in mind that when you read a story in one Gospel and you see it repeated in another Gospel, uh, one isn't contradicting the other. They're both, both of those synopsis of that story was inspired by God. And so it wasn't just a bunch of men writing their own thoughts. Now, God was giving them this. But in each case, God gave some men uh, a synopsis of the story a little differently. And when you read both stories, you get a full picture. So sometimes there's stories in the the Gospels. It's in every one of the Gospels. And you really ought to read the story, even though it's repetitive, you ought to read it in every Gospel to get a clear picture of what God is saying. And that's why they're called the synopsis Gospels. Because Luke gives his synopsis of this, and then we're going to look at, at Matthew, or uh, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 2. So, if you have your Bible, would you uh, turn to Luke chapter 5, and I'll ask you to stand with me uh, just as I read this text. And the only reason I'm going to Luke chapter 5 is because it mentions one thing here that I want us to focus in on, which is really the crux of the message tonight. In Luke chapter 5, verse number 17, it says, It came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Now, that ought to preach just by itself, that the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Could you just imagine what it would be like to be in a church where the power of the Lord wasn't present? I mean, for many, that might be the norm <laughs> in some churches. But, I, but if it were me, I would want to be in a church where not only is the power of God present, but we're going to see tonight in this story where God's power is being manifested. And I think that's even more important, that when we gather together and we know the Lord's in our midst and Whatever's going to happen, God's going to have to do it because we can't fabricate and incorporate uh, results ourselves. But, but, but if God is present and the power is present to heal, then we ought to try to make it easy on God to manifest that power in our church. And you're going to see a manifestation of this power when we look at this story in the Gospel of Luke. So the Bible says here that the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And behold, men brought in a bed, a man which was taken with palsy. And they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before him. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went up on the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch in the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. And the scribes and the Pharisees begin to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts, whether it's easy to say, 
thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, rise up and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power upon the earth to forgive sins. He said unto the sick of palsy, I say unto thee, arise and take up thy couch and go into thine house. And immediately he arose before them and took up that whereon he lay and departed to his own house glorifying God. And they were all amazed and they glorified God and were filled with fear saying, we have seen strange things today. You know, I thought about that phrase. <clears throat> when we come to church, we ought not to say it when God manifests his power that it's a strange thing. In other words, the manifestation of God's power should be something that happens regularly in our church. You see, the power can be present, but it doesn't necessarily mean just because the power is present, he's going to be able to manifest the power. And so when they saw his manifestation of power on this man's life, they thought, man, we have seen something strange today. And I just think that it ought to be in our churches that it ought not to be strange. Right. We ought to be able to see the power of God being manifested all the time. Yeah. And I, wanna, I want you to go to Mark chapter number 2 now. Mark chapter number 2. And we're going to read the same story very quickly. Mark chapter 2. It says, and again he entered into Capernaum, verse 1. After some days, and it was noised that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there were no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, uh, they let down the bed wherein the sick of palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they uh, so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether it's easier to say to the sick of palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the sick of palsy, uh, I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy bed and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. We've seen strange things today. We've never seen it on this fashion. So I want to I speak tonight about the subject, could we be limiting the power of God to be manifested? When I say that is because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3.9, the Bible says that we are supposed to be laborers with God. That means we're to be working with God, not against God. And I'm fearful a lot of times because God's power is available to you to do what he wants to do in your life, your family, your marriage. But a lot of times he's not able to manifest it because we're not working with God, we're working against God. And sometimes whole churches do that. And I just think that if we come, we should have the attitude, I want it to make it easy for God to manifest that power. So we're going to look at this passage and we're going to look at some of the things that they did that made it easy and I believe that it will make it easy for God in this church if you will just incorporate these things they did in your life and in your church. So let's pray. Father, thank you for your loving goodness to us. We thank you for the 
what we've heard already tonight. I'm, I'm so thankful for the testimony of these men. And uh, Lord, how the message has touched their hearts. Now I pray that you'll give me unction. Uh, Lord, uh, just uh, let me preach that which you want me to say. And help me not to be an embarrassment to you or to the Word or, or Lord to myself. But just to convey these thoughts tonight that might be a help uh, to Eastside Baptist Church. And we'll be sure to give you the praise and the glory for it all. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I was reading in a devotion here uh, in Psalms uh, chapter number, or Psalm 78, and I came across this passage of Scripture that um, I think helps to preface the message tonight, but it says this, How oft did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Now, I know by my reading in the Bible, we can't personally, uh, you know, God has no limits. You can't limit God. He's unlimited. He's got all power. But I, but I do believe we can put to the point where we can limit the power that he does have in being able to do what he wants to do. You know, in Psalm 78, his goal was to take with his power, and he manifested many times to show them that his goal was to take them from Egypt into the promised land. And the Bible talks about how they tempted God and they provoked God and they wouldn't believe God. You know, all of those things were just making it hard for God to manifest that power and be able to accomplish in their life what he wanted to accomplish because really the children of Israel wasn't working with God, they were working against God. And I really believe a lot of times when we come to church, we ought to have the attitude, Lord, I just want to work with you. Whatever it is that you want in my life, I know you have the power to do that. And so, Lord, I want you to work in my life. I want to make it easy for you to manifest that power in my life. And so, in Mark chapter 2, this is where we're going to be for the rest of the evening uh, in this message tonight. But I'm interested in that passage that said uh, that the power of the Lord was present. Friend, I don't know about you, but I want to be where the power of the Lord is present. Not just present but being manifested, where I can come into a service and see the power of God working. And to me, it ought to be our desire to come and see lives changed. And we ought to be able to come and, and see lives healed and marriages put back together. We desperately need the power of God in our churches today. The Bible says in the last days that we read about this morning, the Bible says they'll, be, they'll have a form of godliness, but they'll deny the power thereof. Uh, and so really what, what, what they're really saying in the last days, they're not going to depend upon God's power to do it. And we see so many churches today where if they're not getting the results because the power of God's there but it's not being manifested, then what they do is they try to, to fabricate or come up with some things to bring results themselves. And I'm just telling you that a life cannot really be changed without the power of God. It, it can't be changed just through other means. There's no substitute for the Bible. There's no substitute for what God can do. There's no substitute for the power of God. And, and so we want us to take a look tonight, and I want you to just write some of these things down, uh, but I want us to notice some things that the, the, the power that was manifested uh, by these people and what they did. The Bible talks about uh, in verse number one, and again he entered into Capernaum after some days, and, the, and it was noised that he was in the house. Now, I just put down, first of all, that the power was manifested because the people were publishing the Word of God. 
You know there's power in noising and publishing the Word of God? God can do that. If everybody in the church just went out and began to publish, because the, the word for noised abroad there or begin to noise abroad was the fact that the word means to publish. It means to spread. Uh, and as I thought about when they, when they found out that Jesus was going to be in this house, they went around telling everybody else, hey, the one who can heal, the one who can change life is going to be in this place and you ought to come. And in fact, we find here, if you just look at Mark chapter number one, uh, Mark chapter number one, and take a look at verse number 40, it says, And there came a, a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand, and touched him, and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. And he straightly charged him, and forthwith sent him away, and saith unto him, See thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. And so, but the Bible says in verse 45, but he went out and began to publish it much, and to blaze abroad the manner, insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in the desert places, and they came to him from every quarter. Now listen, just because he said, hey listen, I healed you, but I don't want you to go tell anybody about it. Because Jesus didn't really come here uh, to promote healing. He didn't come here to just be a healer. The healings that he did was to simply manifest the power of God so that they'd understand he was the Son of God. So he used these things in order for them to understand, like Nicodemus, hey, no man can do the miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And so they begin to see the power being manifested when God would begin to heal. And so when he healed this man here that had leprosy in Mark chapter 1, he said, listen, I don't need you to go tell every other buddy that has leprosy and so forth that I healed you because then they'll all be coming and I'll be spending all my time trying to heal in a physical way and that's not why I came here. And so he told him, don't go and publish what I did. But you know, when God does something in your life and manifests that power in your life, you can't keep from telling somebody. You got to publish it. You got to you got to noise it abroad. And as I thought about that, I thought about this church uh, that had gathered here in Mark chapter number two. The Bible says they were noising it abroad. Well, who were they noising it to? Well, I'm convinced that the guy that got uh, you know healed in Math or Mark chapter one, the leper. I'm convinced that he had to go tell other lepers, hey, you know, you ought to go into this place. I got healed. You ought to go. I mean, he was beginning to tell him his testimony, what God did for him. And by just noising abroad and telling them what he did for him, I was thinking about uh, others, the lame, the halt, the, the blind, uh, those, that, uh, those that had withered hands and so forth that he'd healed in other times. I'm guaranteeing that when he was in this house, they began to publish much and they came. Hey, listen, you know what, you know what would make it easy for God uh, to, to save somebody? Is for you that God has already manifested that power in your life and changed you is you ought to go and publish that. Amen. You ought to go noise that abroad. You ought, to, you ought to share your testimony with someone. You say, well, I don't know that much about the scriptures. Well, you don't need to know a lot about scriptures just to tell them what God did in your life. Amen. In fact, anytime that I'm leading somebody to Christ, I almost always go to that example in the Philippines and I always tell them what God did in my life. And, and I may give them one or two scriptures, but just my testimony of telling them where I was at and what God did to manifest His power in my life, uh, and, and it made it easy when I finally just yielded my 
heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. For three weeks I wasn't working with God, I was working against God and the power was there to heal but he couldn't heal me because I wasn't working with him. And so I thought, you know, I finally got to that point where I just yielded to it and said, Lord, I'm a sinner, I need to be saved. And it was easy for God to save me. It was easy for him to manifest the power. I'm just thinking that a lot of times God is present in our services and there are people that are unsaved, there are people whose lives aren't where they should be. And God's got the power to change that. If you just work with him, you'd make it easy for him to do it. But a lot of times his power is present, but it's not being manifested. And it's not God's fault, it's our fault. And so we find here that uh, even in Mark chapter 2, a man, they come, uh, here's a man who experienced the power of the Lord to heal him. And he went out and he was publishing it to everybody. And you can bet other lepers came and other people came, the halt and the blind and so forth. Uh, the demon possessed must have come and adulterers came and the lame came and they filled this house. You know the Bible says in uh, the book of 1 Corinthians 6, 9, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? But be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, or extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. I mean, when we look down through that list, I, I, I can say, that was me. Such were some of me. I was, I was one of those. But ye are washed. But now you've been sanctified. But now you're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. Could it be that the power of the Lord is not being manifested because it's not being published? It's not being noised abroad? Hey, listen, when I went to uh, New Testament Baptist Church in 1970, the church my wife was out of there in Tucson, Arizona, <clears throat> that church was running about 1,250 on a regular basis. They were bringing in buses and, and, and kids on buses and so forth. And uh, we were going all over Tucson back in the 70s telling everybody about what God had done in our lives. And you ought to come to our church. And the reason we were seeing people almost every week in that church walk the aisle and God was manifesting his power to see, hey, heal them is because New Testament was noising it abroad. They were publishing it. Sometimes I think the reason that uh, we don't see that many people walk in the aisles today is because we're just not out telling people like we should. The more we tell people, the more apt they're going to want to come. Yeah. Now that's the truth. Yeah, that's right. You know, if you've got a problem and somebody tells you, hey, you know, I've come to our church, I'm telling you, God's got the power to change your life. And then you begin to tell them how he changed your life, they're more apt to come. And that's going to make it really easy for God to manifest the power on their life. But it's going to make it really hard for God to save someone if there's no, nobody that's lost in the services. We need to be doing what it says here in Mark chapter 2. And the Bible says, and they went out and noised it abroad. Hey, there's power in publishing the Word of God. There's power in that. Power in publishing it. Notice something else that I noticed in verse number 2 of this passage. And straightway many were gathered together insomuch that there was no room to receive them, not so much as about the door, and he preached the word unto them. Now the word there that says that they were gathered together is the idea that they were assembling in this particular house. And so I, I, I thought about there's power in people, uh, there's power in people assembling together. Now think about that. You think about it. 
it would make it a lot easier for God to manifest his power in the life of somebody if they'd come and assemble with us. I mean, how's God going to manifest his power if you're sitting home? You know, I remember years ago, way before COVID ever got going, we had live stream in our church. When live stream came out, we, we got it going so that the shut-ins and so forth could see live stream. And um, I remember Brother Davison telling me at that time, uh, when it really wasn't that big a deal, he said, I think you're going to regret sometime down the road having live stream. And I said, really? And he goes, yeah, because he said, what you're going to do is you're going to provide them a means not to come and assemble. They're going to set home. And I thought, ah, I don't, we just provide it for the shut-ins. Well, when COVID hit, live stream became a big thing because that's how we really got the preaching out when we couldn't assemble. Either the government said you couldn't do it or because people were afraid to come and assemble. So they used live streaming. I'm sure you did that here. My son-in-law did that back in Phoenix for at least six or eight weeks. And uh, it was just him and the sound man and uh, you know, one special and Mickey and I, we were there and we'd always sit there and amen him and so forth. My members used to say, I thought nobody was supposed to come, but we could hear Brother Randolph in the background yelling amen, amen to John. Well, somebody's got to be there to amen him. Yeah. So we never really missed during the COVID time. We were there. But, 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 but what happened was it got to where people stopped coming and yeah. assembling. Right. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you something. God, there's no substitute for the church. Uh, there's a reason why he says forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together is the manner of some in. God wants us to assemble. And I understand that if you're up in years and you had bad health and so forth uh, and the doctors just said, boy, you need not get out and so forth. I understand it. But there was people that were getting out, that were going to work, they were shopping in stores, they were going other places, but they couldn't come on Sunday. For, for one hour. They couldn't come and sit in church because they were afraid they were going to get COVID. But they could have got COVID anywhere else. But it became a habit for them. And now we've got families, listen to me, we've got families that haven't come back for two and a half years, but they're saying, well, we watch you on live streaming. Hey, listen, God's not going to be able to manifest the power He wants to unless you assemble together. Hey, they came together in this house. And I think it's just a whole lot easier for God to do something in your life if you're here because this is where the power of God is going to be. So when, when, God, when, when the church comes and assembles, you're just going to make it easier for God to manifest that power because you're here. Why? Because He already knows what's going on in your life, your marriage, your home, with your kids or whatever. And as the message, God's going to speak upon that pastor and He's going to preach and God's going to be able to manifest the power in your life. But He's not going to be able to do it while you're not here. That's why revival meetings, missions, conferences. I mean, if you can find a way, you ought to get to church and assemble with the church and be here to witness, not to be able to say, boy, we saw strange things today. Shouldn't be strange. It should be happening all the time in our church where God is doing something because he wants to do it. He's not, he's not limited with his own power, but we can limit him. We can limit the Holy One of Israel from being able to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. So how much easier would it be for God uh, to do the work that he wants to do in people's life uh, if we would just come and expect God? You see, all of them that assembled in this house, they came there with the expectation that God was going to do something. They came there with the idea that, hey, God's going to manifest his power here. And God said, yeah, and it's a lot easier for you to do it while you're here. I got to thinking about it. If no one had showed up in that house... And Jesus was sitting there in the living room and the disciples saying, well, we, we told everybody, but nobody came. It wouldn't have been as easy. 
I didn't even know if there had been any healing. In fact, the Pharisees and the scribes were there, but did you notice that he said to them that the power of God is present to heal them, but not they didn't get healed? And the reason they didn't get healed, they didn't get changed, they didn't have anything, because the Pharisees and scribes didn't work with him, they were working against him. They were always criticizing him. They were always trying to trip him up. They didn't believe in him. And so their unbelief kept the power of God that was present to heal them. And then they see here that they not only assemble together, and, and I just think it's important that we assemble together. But notice thirdly here in verse number two, uh, the latter part of it, it says here, not so, much, uh, not so much about the door, and he preached the word unto them. Now, you know what would make it easy for God to manifest his power? If there was preaching of the word Amen. in our churches. Yeah. Hey, there's power in the word. The Word has power. I was listening to this gentleman going through these messages and really what he was saying is he was touched by the power of the preaching that was done because the preaching of God is where in the Word. Hey, it may be foolishness unto them that are lost, but it's the power of God unto salvation to us that believe. I mean, the Word of God has power. And so if men would get in their pulpits and they would just preach the Word, not preach their opinions, not preach their ideas, not preach about jokes and stories and so forth and fables that people are turning their ears to today because there's no power in that. I mean, it's good stuff, but it's just not the right stuff. You know, we like to listen to some of that kind of stuff. I like to go, you know, we'll have a guy come in every once in a while, man, he's funny and he's got lots of stories and you know, it's not that he doesn't give much scripture. He doesn't give many points. He doesn't, all he does. And I've had people walk out and go, boy, wasn't he good? And I'm thinking, yeah, he was fun to listen to. But the Lord didn't do much. Yeah. But when someone takes a text and they go down through a text and they preach what's in the text, go ahead. God will be able to manifest his power through preaching. Did you notice before this guy is ever healed in this passage that preaching preceded the healing? You know, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. He didn't come in, they gathered into the house, and then he just healed them. No, he preached the Word unto them. And we ought never make it any apologies for a pastor. You have a pastor that preaches the Word. I, I, you know, don't take your church for granted. Don't take him for granted. I'm just telling you, God's given you a good pastor and a good pastor's wife that not a lot of churches have, but you've got one, and he preaches the Word. But we ought to get up with being never apologetic about preaching what's in the Bible. You know, men get up and talk about so forth. Well, I don't like to preach that. I don't like that. Listen, we need to preach on the resurrection. We need to preach on the blood. We need to preach on, uh, you know, eternal security. We need to preach on the virgin birth. We need to preach on everything that's in the Bible. Preach the whole counsel of God. If, it, if people don't like it, that's too bad. We're just preaching the word because that's where the power's at. And so when we... We find in this story that what made it easy for God to heal this man is because it had been noised abroad and they came and they published it. And then when they got there, the Bible says that they assembled in this house. They all assembled until the point where you couldn't even get in the front door. Then notice something else here. I'm trying to hurry through this tonight. but So there's power in preaching the word. You, by the way, I said you don't have to apologize one of my little pet peeves, I just hate it when a guy gets up and he's actually preached something that's in the Bible and it's a little hard to take. And then he says, after he's preached it, are we okay? <laughs> I hate that. It's like he's apologizing. 
you know, for preaching what was in the Bible. Are we still good? Are we okay? Are we still friends? It really doesn't matter. If it's in the Bible, it's in the Bible. It doesn't really matter whether we're still, whether you like it or you don't like it. You know, so when a guy goes, are we still friends? I'm just going, oh, I hate it. If a guy ever does that, he'll never preach in our church. I just preach the Bible. You don't have to be mean about it. You don't have to have a lousy spirit about it, but, you know, and be angry when you're preaching. But just preach the Bible and let the Word of God do what God intends it for it to do. And you don't have to stand there and say, well, are we still good with each other? You know. <laughs> you ever heard anybody do that? If you haven't, you'll hear some of them. I hate it. Yeah, I never apologize about anything unless I, like I always pray, Lord, help me not to be offensive. But if the Word of God offends people, then there's nothing I can do about that. Look at verse number three. <clears throat> there's power in spreading the word of God about what God's done, noising it abroad. There's power in assembling. There's power in preaching. And then notice in verse number three it says this, and they come unto him bringing one sick of palsy which was born of four. You know there's power when people are cooperating together for the needs of others. When there's a cooperative spirit. You, you know you got four guys. They'd heard that uh, Jesus was going to be in this house and so instead of them just heading down to the house on their own, they got to thinking about a guy that was laying on a bed that couldn't get to Jesus. And the four of them sat there and said, come on guys, we need to go down and get this guy and bring him to Jesus. And I can just see them when they got down into that house, they didn't stand there and said, well, he's laying in a bed. How are we going to get his bed? We can't get him out of the bed. I, I can stand there seeing them. They're not arguing back and forth. And one guy said, why don't you grab that corner? Well, why don't you grab that corner? Well, I'll, I want this corner. No, I want that corner. I don't think that's the way it was. But that's sometimes the way it is in a church. Is that we can't cooperate together because we want to do it our way. We want to be the one that handles it the way we want to handle it. But listen, hey, you know what would make it easy for God just to heal the guy? Is if we just cooperate together just to get him there. We don't have to. It's not about you and what you get to do and how you get to carry the bed. But I can just see four guys just grabbing the corner of his bed and saying, hey, listen, brother, we're going to get you down to where Jesus can heal you. And four guys just picks up the bed, carries him down there. And when they get to the house, the Bible says the press was so great that they were up against the door, they couldn't even get his bed in. I mean, I could just picture it in my mind. I kind of read the Bible in pictures, and I can just see them while they're at the door. And the people are looking in, you know, have different problems, and the Pharisees and the scribes are there, and the crowd's already there. And it must have taken uh, the four guys a little bit longer to get there than the rest of the people. And so now the press is there, and they can't get in the door. And I can just see them when they walked up with this bed and said, excuse me, could you just get, let us get by? And I can see someone going like this, hey, he, you should have got here earlier. I was here before you. You know, just, just go somewhere else. You know, they're pressed into this house. They won't let this guy. And I can just see the four guys hang their heads down and say, well, I thought we could get you to Jesus, but I guess they're not going to let us in. So, But that's not what they did. You know, there's power in cooperating together, but there's also power in persisting when there's a challenge. When there's challenges in our life, we are to be persistent in carrying out what we're trying to do. There's power in people being persistent and persevering in times 
of opposition and challenges. And you're going to have them in your church. So these four guys bring him to the, to the Christ. They can't get him in the door because everybody else is there for themselves. Which is a lot of times the way our churches are. We come for ourselves and rather than for others. And so, you know, people come in and they want to sit down. Maybe they're sitting in your spot, which you think you have a spot. Because I, I pastored for 40 years in Arizona and planted two churches there. And I know that people have their spot, you know. And if you get here and you walk down the aisle where your spot, you know, your seat is at, and somebody's sitting there, it's kind of like you hesitate a little bit. They're, honey, they're sitting in our, our chair. They're sitting in our pew. Well, let me, let me inform you. It's not your pew. It's not your chair. They park in our parking spot. No, you don't have a parking spot. If you want to get here and sit where you want to sit, you got to get here before everybody else. So if everybody else got there before you, you're just going to have to persevere and find another seat. You know, just go and sit somewhere else. Well, but I don't like sitting somewhere else. Well, then get here early and sit where you want to sit. But if somebody got here ahead of you, don't stand there and go down there and say, excuse me, you, I don't know if you know this, but you're seated in my spot. I hope that would never happen in this church. I had a guy do that in our church. He did it one time. Can I tell you what happened afterwards? The pastor was saying, I need to speak with you for a moment. <laughs> you, know, you don't have a seat. You know, so if, don't, don't ask somebody to get up and go, listen, persevere. They, 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 they worked together to get him there. They cooperated together. Hey, listen, folks, a church ought to be a team. We ought to be laboring together with God, striving for the faith of the gospel of one mind, one unit, one, one heart, of uh, uh, one gospel. I mean, we're trying to do this thing together. This isn't about your ministry or your pew or my Sunday school class. It's what's best for the whole church. I, I used to have a Sunday, we have uh, Sunday school classes. Not all of our classes are, uh, classrooms are big. Some of them are bigger. But Promotion Sunday comes in the first week of August in our church and some classes have more to promote out to the next class than other classes. And so if a, if a teacher has a small classroom and she gets 10 or 12 new students promoted in, then we need to get her a bigger classroom. And the one who's got the big classroom, who didn't get very many promoted in, sometimes we have to go to them and say, hey, listen, we're going to make a change this year. We're going to put her class into your class over here and you're going to go in there. And they'll go, you're taking my classroom from me? I mean, I've been a teacher here for 17 years. We, my husband and I painted this classroom. It's decorated the way we painted it. I can't believe you're going to take my classroom from me. I've had teachers like that. And I go, well, first of all, it's not your classroom. <laughs> Can I just tell you? It, it, the classroom belongs to the Lord. And you just, it, really the attitude that you need to have in order to work what's best for the church so God can do what he wants to do in the lives of these young people is to simply say, Pastor, whatever we can do to make it easy for God to do what he wants to do, and, and if it means that I need to give my classroom up this year for another teacher, then I'm going to do it. That's the right attitude to have. Not to get possessive about what your ministry is. Folks, listen to us. It's not about us. It's about lost souls. It's about other people that come into the church here. 
And we ought to be doing as much as we possibly can to be making it simple and easy for the power that's present to be able to manifest that power in people's lives. And so if we're spreading the word and we're assembling together and the word's being preached and we're cooperating together, and then when there's difficulties, these four guys didn't leave this guy on his bed. They, one guy came up and said, hey, listen, look in the house and see if you can see where Jesus is at. And I'm just reading between the lines. And I can say, well, I think he's over near the kitchen area or where they bake and so forth. So the guy said, all right, well, then we'll just get up on the roof. They had flat roofs and they had tile. And so the guy gets up on the roof and, and uh, they, they figured out about how many paces inside the house where Jesus was standing. And so he makes his move across the roof and he said, just about right there. So they start lifting the tiles out. And I can see Jesus preaching the word and all of a sudden a little tile dust is coming down over the top of his head. <laughs> and, you know, like, uh, folks, stand back. Something's happening here. And a hole opens up above his head. And these four guys have got this guy in a bed on four ropes. And they're, you know, they're working in unit, uh, as a unit to get his bed down. And the guy's sitting there on the bed laying there with a palsy. And here comes the bed through the roof right down there in front of Jesus. And Jesus says, when he saw their faith, he healed him. You know why he healed him? You know why it was easy for Jesus to do that? Because when you manifest faith in him, you make it easy for him to do what he wants you to do. Amen. You know, if they had given up on him and not, not gone up on the roof, he'd have never been healed. Uh, you know, in the ministry, we've gone through many, many times, and I think when we go through oppositions and difficulties, we just need to get a little creative. There's always a solution to every challenge. Instead of letting the challenge defeat us, let's find a way to get it done. Yeah, now, the liberals can take that verse and say, you know, they used any means to get him to Jesus. The liberals will say, we can use anything. The conservatives say, no, we can't do anything other than just do what we've always done. And I think there needs to be somewhat of a balance in that, and that is this. Sometimes the conservatives don't get created enough but at the same time, there's nothing wrong with finding another means as long as it doesn't violate the integrity of the scriptures, as long as it doesn't violate biblical principle, as long as we're not, you know, changing things to where God says this is the way it should be. But the liberals, they, they go beyond just finding a means. They, they violate things within the scriptures in order to get it done. That's not God's will. But brother, when there are challenges, we ought to sit there and say, let's put our heads together. We can find a way to get this done in our church. Because if you don't do that, you're just limiting God and what God wants to do. And so in this passage of scripture, the Bible says that there was power there in just being persistent and persevering and so forth. And then last of all there in verse number five, there's power in people's having faith. The Bible didn't say when he saw the man's faith. It says when he saw their faith. The faith of the four. And really it had to be the faith of the guys laying on the bed too. Because if you're going to be lifted up on a roof, you've got to have faith to believe that they're going to get you to Jesus. So they didn't, the man had faith as well. I mean, he had to be willing to uh, yield to these four guys to say, all right, if you'll take me there, I believe he can heal me as well. I've heard others that get healed there. And so the Lord said when he saw their faith, you know what saved me in the Philippines? When I finally put faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when I put faith in him, it was easy for him to heal me. It was easy for him to save me. Just simply that quickly. 
when he saw my faith. You know, there's a story in the Bible where a woman who had had an issue of blood for 12 years, she'd tried all kinds of means and never got cured of her disease or her problem. Well, she heard about the Lord Jesus Christ, and so she um, decides that she's going to follow the crowd. And, and she said this, if I could but touch the hem of his garment, yeah. I could be healed. Yeah. If, if I could just touch him. So with a woman with an issue of blood was like other types of things. They were not allowed to, they were kind of like put outside the camp until the priest uh, made them, uh, decided they were clean. And so she wasn't clean, but she works her way through the crowd and the Lord is moving along. And the Bible says they were all pressing up against him while they're moving along. You know, bumping into him as he's moving. The whole crowd's moving along. And all of a sudden Jesus stops. She reached out and she touches the hem of his garment. And he causes him to stop. And he said, somebody's touched me. And Peter said, what do you mean somebody's touched you? We're all touching you. No, he said, no, somebody touched me and virtue has gone out of me. Somebody didn't just physically touch me. Somebody didn't just associate with me. The only one that got healed that the Bible says on that day was that woman because she manifested faith. And when she reached out to the Lord, the power to heal her was immediately. I sometimes think that we come to church and just because we associate with the Lord, hey, listen, that's not going to be enough. You got to put faith, you got to touch Him. And he knows the difference between those that just associate and are traveling along uh, through the Christian life and those that reach out and touch the hem of the garment. And he stops immediately. And, of course, she retreated back. She was kind of embarrassed and, and didn't want to become known. And the Lord knew exactly who she was and went over to her and said, you know, your faith has made you whole. He knew exactly who she was. It'd be, God, God could manifest his power in somebody in this room right now tonight as I said, where two or three are gathered together in his name. That's what we're doing. The Bible says, basically, the power of the Lord is present to heal. It's like he's standing down here at every invitation. And though you can't physically with your eyes see him, he stands here at the invitation with all the power to do what he wants to do in your life. All he's, willing, all he's wanting you to do is make it easy for him to manifest it. And if you just come and put faith in him, he'd say, somebody's touched me. And the power goes out. Your life is changed. He wants to do that in your church. And sometimes we sit there and say, wow, we went to church, and man, I've never seen it in that fashion before. It ought not to be something you don't see in that fashion. It ought to be something regular where the manifestation of God's power is always being manifested here this person's being saved. Hey, if, he's, if that's not happening in your church on a regular basis, could it just be that maybe we're not noising it abroad like we should? Could it be that maybe we're not assembling together and when he knows that the message tonight or whatever it is that your preacher preaches, he knows that he wants that message directly for you, but you don't show up, so you miss out on the power that could have healed you? Could, could it be that the, in some churches the word's just not preached and so the power of God is limited because it can't be done through any other means? Could, could it be that we're not cooperating together when we come to church? Could it be that whenever there's a challenge or there's an opposition or a problem in the church, rather than to find a solution to it, uh, we give up and quit 
and leave? You know, I've often said in my ministry that you can't control the circumstances that happen around uh, your life and so forth, but you can control how you react to circumstances. I can't, I can't do anything about Washington, D.C. and the politics and so forth, but I know how to react to it. You know, I, I can't do a, a thing about COVID, but I know how I can react to it in a proper way. And so when things are problems in the church, don't react to it in a way that causes you to give up and quit because you're just going to limit God to do what he wants to do in your life. Right. And then if you just come and put faith, faith. If you, if, you, if you just went down through that passage and took a look at what these people were doing, at the very end, Jesus is able to manifest his power and heal the man. And he wants to do the same thing in your church. Hey, listen, listen. I, I, I've been in many churches where someone said, we're just not seeing anybody saved and, and we're, we're, we haven't seen anybody get baptized for months and our church is stagnated and so forth. And I've often took them to that passage and say, are you working together with God? Because God's not limited, but you might be limiting him. He has all the power to do what he wants to do. So if we would as a congregation corporately and as individuals that make up that church simply sit there and say, you know, I'm going to do exactly what they did and see if God's power might be manifested in our church more regularly. I think you'll be surprised. If you'll do your part to tell others what he's done for you, if you'll show up, if the preacher who you got preaching the word will continue to preach the word and the power of God goes forth and then you'll think of somebody that really needs help and go out and do your part to bring them in. Maybe they could ride to church with you if they can't get here. Maybe you could pick up a phone and say, listen, if you can't come, we'll come by and get you and get them in the church. And when they get here, it'll make it so much more easy for God to do what he wants to do in their life and in your life. Amen. Let's let the power that's present to heal be manifested. And let's work with God, not against God, so that we can't limit God from doing what he wants to do. Father, thank you tonight for your love and goodness to us. And Lord, uh, I just think about this man that got healed and how that you manifested the power that was present. And then I thought about all the ones that were in that house that never put any faith. They came there and they watched you do other things in other people's lives, but they, their lives weren't healed, their lives weren't changed. In fact, this is the only one in this particular account that we read where this man was healed because he placed faith. For by grace are we saved through faith. It's not of, our, uh, it, it's, it's not of ourselves, it's the gift of God. And so, Lord, help us as we come to church that we're not going around saying, Bill, we saw some strange things happening in our church today. We ought to be saying, hey, this isn't strange. It happens all the time. We see people's lives changed. We see people getting baptized. We see uh, people's marriages put back together. We see God working in the lives of those who are on drugs. We're seeing God's power being manifested at Eastside Baptist Church. And so, Lord, we thank you for the power that you have. Now, Lord, help us to work with you to make that possible. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand quietly to our feet tonight, if you would. <clears throat> I'm going to ask you a question. 
Are you working with God or against God? I mean, what you, you're here, there's something maybe he wants to do in your life and all he, he, he's at every invitation inviting you to come. Doesn't matter what age you are. And he's just simply saying, if you'll come, if you'll just put your faith in me, if you'll just trust me, if you'll make it easy on me, listen to me. If you think he's gonna save you without faith, that isn't gonna happen. He'll never do anything in violation of his own word. That was already said tonight. God's got a plan to save souls and you have to follow that plan or otherwise he doesn't just go and say, well, I'll save you anyway. He doesn't work like that. He, 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 he's got the power to save the whole world, but he uses the local church to take the gospel into all the world. If the church won't take the gospel into the world, we're limiting what God might be able to do in the world because God's not gonna do it any other way. He's devised the plan. Now all we've gotta do is work with him. And if we'll work with him, hey, it'll be easy for him to do his part. Let's just do what we're supposed to do and let him do what only he can do. Amen. Father, thank you for this uh, message tonight. I just, how it spoke to my heart when I read this passage of scripture and I made a covenant with my, uh, towards you that Lord, I was not gonna work against you. It, it, many times in my own life, I know that you've spoken to me and I haven't always cooperated and Lord, I, I just believe that if, if you're going to manifest the power, then Lord, I just need to do what you've asked me to do. Just get back to the basics of doing what a church needs to do. And we'll be able to see you do what you can only do. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.